0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training, by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area, Top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment in which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at Rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
0: Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth with Gift Blalock. Before we get started with Gift, let me tell everyone what's coming up in our slightly changed schedule for next week. We have on next Thursday, we have Spencer Cotton with CG Interconnects. Spencer is a CEO of a Interconnect company that does voiceover IP, specializing in nonprofit organizations. And his company also provides home automation systems in locations all over the United States. That should be an interesting conversation. On Friday, the 27th of July, we're going to have Ken Saunders of Search Engine Experts. Ken is going to be talking about some of the latest changes and things we need to do to keep our website's search engine optimization up to date and finding uh, be found when someone hits Google. following week. August 2nd, I'm bringing in a uh, an old friend uh, named Rick Slifer. Rick is a consultant to companies that want to sell to the federal government. Rick lives in Annapolis, Maryland, and Rick will share some of the secrets uh, that he's developed over the last 30 years selling to the government, and now he's a consultant to companies that want to sell to the federal government. Following Rick, we'll have uh, on Friday the 3rd, Don Keller. He's the president of the Downtown Cincinnati Rotary Club. Don is going to be talking about Rotary, what we've done, I am a Rotarian, as well as gifts a Rotarian. Don Keller will be talking about some of the things that Cincinnati Rotary has done and is doing, as well as Rotary International. He's going to have Jane Brickhead with her, with him. She is a past president of our local Rotary Foundation, and the foundation has over $6 million in assets. they will be talking about the wonderful things that Cincinnati Rotary has done for the community, and continues to do and will do in the future. From a Sandler training perspective, we're going to have a workshop on Monday. If you'd like to be a guest, you can give our office a call or, or show up. We have a class on Monday called When the Other Guy's Price is Lower. This is a class designed to help our clients learn how to sell their product or service at a higher price. I guess now introducing GIF Lalock. GIF uh, has been a CPA providing accounting solutions to small businesses and nonprofits for over 28 years. Uh, he is an, an advanced certified expert in QuickBooks. That's a strange title, advanced certified expert. he to tell us more about that. GIF applies his in-depth accounting knowledge to help clients with training, installation, fine-tuning, and troubleshooting their accounting software. Uh, in addition, GIF works with nonprofits at uh, year-end, getting them ready for their audit as well as making Business software programs work seamlessly with each other. Giff is a uh, newcomer to Cincinnati, relatively speaking. Two years, he moved from Kalamazoo, Michigan, in two thousand and three. Okay, he was he grew up on the East Coast. I got that right, Giff. That's right. Right. Went to uh, Loyola in uh, Baltimore, mm-hmm. and you were in Kalamazoo in two thousand and three. Came to Cincinnati in two thousand and ten. Yep. Good. Giff is a CPA. A CMA, that's an unusual, certified management accountant, all Right. a certified financial planner, certified advanced QuickBooks Pro advisor, certified QuickBooks Enterprise advisor, certified QuickBooks Point of Sale advisor. That's all a, uh, quite a mouthful. Giff holds an MBA in accounting from Loyola Marymount in uh, Baltimore, undergraduate degree from the University of Delaware in education, and he's got over 26 years of experience in the computer and accounting fields. Giff? Only leads me to the question, why did you come to Cincinnati?
2: Well, um, I am what they call a trailing spouse. Back in Baltimore, I had a uh, fairly uh, large local uh, tax and accounting practice, and I merged that in with a larger firm in the area. And my wife said, well, maybe that's a time for us to maybe consider moving out of Baltimore at some point down the road in Baltimore, where I was born and raised. And it was kind of a shock to think of that. But uh, we talked about it a little bit more. And she got a job offer in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And I said, well, where's that? And she told me and she said, I, you know, we ought to consider this. And so we, uh, we figured out how to make it work. And so I ended up uh, reinventing myself in Kalamazoo. I, I had done so much auditing and tax work but a lot of my clients didn't have didn't have a lot of expertise in the software they were using and most of that was QuickBooks so I started doing a lot of consulting in Kalamazoo and then my wife once more got uh, another opportunity here in Cincinnati and so we picked up and uh, moved to Cincinnati and I gotta say we love it here we love it in Cincinnati what a great town and I'm doing what I do, which is doing accounting, software consulting, mainly QuickBooks, but I also work with other software, uh, getting people to get their books cleaned up and nice and straight and work with a lot of nonprofits as well.
0: What other accounting softwares do you work with?
2: Um, a lot of work I do is with a nonprofit uh, program called Shelby Systems, which you probably don't know about, but it but Large nonprofits would probably know it. There's uh, a couple of other uh, lesser-known ones. Uh, There's a uh, company called Business Works. There is Razor's Edge, which uh, does a great package for online contributions and fundraising, and then has a bookkeeping piece there that I also work with. Uh, And also, a lot of nonprofits use QuickBooks.
0: Mm, Okay. Interesting. I've been one of the people who resisted QuickBooks.
2: Uh Uh-huh. What kind of software do you use?
0: We have used Peachtree accounting. Oh, oh,
2: yeah. Great program.
0: I wouldn't wouldn't go that far.
2: (laughs) It's not as popular anymore. It's not as well-supported anymore. You can Google QuickBooks consultant and find a million of us. Peachtree is a lot harder to get a consultant these days for. But it's been a good program.
0: Yeah, we've used it for years and... We probably use ten percent of its capabilities.
2: Right, and you're used to it. You know how to make it work. the The hardest part of new accounting software is the training that's involved. And well, of course, that's the training, where I fit in.
0: The training and the and the integration. And yes, one of the reasons we stayed with Quick with Peachtree for all these years is because we intentionally desired not to have it integrate with our CRM system. Uh huh. It does not talk to our CRM on purpose uh-huh. so when one system makes a mistake or a mistake is made mm-hmm. it is not carried to the second system mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: a lot of my clients like to have the two linked together because it they're very conscious of double entry, they don't want to enter information into one system then turn around and enter the same information to the other, but there are some solutions to linking them together that don't involve a direct connection and, and I think that that's wise, actually, to keep them separate. So mm-hmm. good for you. Yeah, we've had uh,
0: we've had pretty good luck. The issue of deleting a forecasted sale before payment has been made in our CRM uh, doesn't carry to the accounting system. I see. Yeah,
2: and that's a, good. <laughs>
0: and a mistake in the accounting system doesn't carry to the yeah CRM in most cases, which has made it most desirable. Most Don't
2: desirable delete the customer before you are paid.
0: Right. Well, in our CRM, we don't...
2: You don't need... It that does, doesn't matter then.
0: No, frankly, we don't delete anything if, unless it was really wrong. Uh-huh. We, we probably still have uh, a few clients who died
2: uh-huh. <laughs> in, uh-huh. in our CRM
0: <laughs> because they were a client at one point in time.
2: Not sending a birthday cards anymore, no. I hope. No,
0: anyway. we don't. We, You know, in Sandler, we we say, say send out-of-season cards, not birthday oh,
3: cards. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Uh, the last thing in the world you wa- you probably want gift is a birthday card from your life insurance agent.
2: Right, 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 right. I know. Uh. I, I don't
0: want that. I don't <laughs> want that, that birthday card. Uh, now, in your business, uh, what are the uh, opportunities and possibilities that you see in the marketplace as you're talking to uh, prospects and clients?
2: Well, I'm seeing. I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm seeing a bit of a turnaround in uh, in Cincinnati. I'm, I mean, I think Cincinnati has gone fairly strongly, as best as you can imagine, through a recession. They seem to be getting back. Real estate was really in bad shape. That seems to be picking up a little bit from m- my clients and people I work with in that industry. So, I think there are some opportunities to now look at maybe just maybe doing a little bit of growing. And uh QuickBooks accounting software has uh, uh it's there's a lot of opportunities to to use your accounting software better than you were using it before. And so I can come in and uh clean up uh things which have gotten a mess because you maybe the uh owner of the business has uh not has been trying to do all the work themselves and so things have gotten messed up, so that's a great opportunity
0: right you know it's interesting you said you you, you know you've been here in Cincinnati for two years yeah you know, I came here to Cincinnati twenty years ago with the full intention of being able to leave in two years. Really? Yeah. And we're still here. Uh-huh. You know?
2: Why leave? What a great place.
0: It's one of the best-kept secrets in America. Yep. Don't tell anyone about <laughs> it. Cincinnati is a great place to live and work.
2: Well, World Choir Games, I think, did a nice job of uh, promoting Cincinnati, so maybe that's bad, but uh, I think it's good.
0: Yeah. I mean, you live downtown, don't you? I do. What kind of disruptions did you encounter during the World Choir, Choir Games? With
2: we were just... we're. Uh, we're up on 7th street. So and we're toward uh, speaking downtown. We're toward the the east side of town. So we weren't really in the in the thick of things. There weren't the flower pots, you know, the the flower pots had the colored uh, bands around them so everybody knew which way to go. We didn't have any flower pots outside our our building. So uh so we didn't really get that much as far as disruptions as uh, a lot of others did.
0: So. Okay. So you you were really lucky like that. Yeah, I think so. Good. Look, we're going to take a, a short break here for about two minutes. And if anyone wants to call in and ask a QuickBooks question or ask if a another accounting question. That'd be great. The number is 646-595-4916. That was 646 595 And we'll be right back after Sandler Rule number 38.
4: I'm Al Strauss with Sandler Training. Talk to you about Rule number 38. The problem the prospect brings you is never the real problem. When people have heard this rule and thought about it a bit if they've been in sales for more than a few months, they almost always say, well, that's obvious. I've had lots and lots of prospects that told me what they wanted. I showed them what they wanted and they didn't buy it. So it seems that it would be obvious. The problem is most folks don't understand it and you get in the middle of the conversation and here's a prospect who's interested in something, you've got the something and you just show up. And what you really need to learn how to do is ask a bunch more questions because frankly in most cases the prospect doesn't even understand what the real problem is and so if you ask three or four more questions about what they claim they need or are looking for or want you're going to discover that it morphs, it changes sometimes dramatically what they end up needing is perhaps even diametrically opposed to what they originally said they were looking for so ask the questions don't take the first thing they give you dive down into the real issues and you're going to have yourself a much better day selling to this prospect
0: this is mike roth i'm back with glyph blaylock Why don't you tell the folks out there how they can get a hold of you?
2: Blaylock at gifblaylockcpa.com. And you can also give me a call at 513-295-9545.
0: Great. Thanks, Gif. Sure. So in looking at all the accounting packages out there today, whether it's Microsoft's uh, package or any of the others, what made you pick QuickBooks to work with?
2: In the beginning... I worked with other accounting packages, Peachtree being one of them. I was a consultant as well for them. Uh, but I discovered that not many people uh, had those packages. Just about everybody I came upon used QuickBooks. And so it just wasn't worth the time for me to be a consultant and learn as much in-depth as I've learned with QuickBooks in my training to make it uh worthwhile to uh, do consulting with those other packages.
0: Okay. And, you know, most CPAs aren't in a consulting practice where they limit themselves to a software product.
2: That You're right. That is very unusual.
0: What led you to do that?
2: Well, I'd spent so many years uh, auditing and doing tax work and being a generalist that I felt that I would give myself actually the luxury of going in depth into one particular area and I hoped at the time and it's paid off that way that uh, there'd be enough of a demand to make that work for me. And so I end up getting uh, calls from other QuickBooks consultants who bring me in to uh, help with their problems. Uh, my One of my biggest referral sources is other CPAs who frankly hate QuickBooks. Uh, and it's because their clients have never really learned how to use it well and so uh I've had uh CPAs who get who who, who joke that uh that a tax return uh, uh will cost uh $400 but if they give it to them in QuickBooks it'll cost $600 because it ends up being such a mess to try and clean up so I can I cut through all that and uh I'll, I'll spend my couple of hours maybe with a client and get everything nice and cleaned up so they it flies through the tax return. So I get a lot of referrals from other CPAs and if I did tax work if I did audit work frankly they wouldn't they wouldn't uh refer to me because I'd be their competition.
0: Okay, so you become more of a strategic partner.
2: I like that. Yes.
0: So besides the Rotary, what other uh, groups or networking Organizations have you become a part of? yet?
2: Well, there's a couple I really like. I'm a big fan of BNI. I, Mike, I'm sure you've heard of them.
0: Yes, I have. Okay. Who uh, hasn't?
2: Right. Well, I don't know. Business
0: some, Network International. Some they,
2: of the, some of maybe the, um, uh, your listeners who are members of larger organizations don't, don't do the uh, word of mouth networking that that BNI gets yeah. involved. Yeah. In.
0: Uh, Meisen the guy who invented yeah, I've BNI. Wrote two books. The first book has one page on the Sandler system. And really? And the uh, second book has uh, three or four pages on Sandler. So we are more or less in line at Sandler with BNI, or mm-hmm. BNI is a, in line with Sandler, the way I'd like to put it.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, so which chapter of BNI do you belong to?
2: I'm not currently a member of the chapter. Um, Uh-oh,
0: you, you're now going to get 27 calls.
2: I. No, that's fine. I'm doing some... Um, I, I like to sub. There's a group that meets downtown Cincinnati, uh, eight o'clock in the, seven, seven thirty in the morning, um, right downtown. They're a great group.
0: Uh, a BNI group.
2: BNI group. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Which uh, day of the week?
2: Uh, on um, Tuesday mornings.
0: Tuesday morning, seven thirty in the morning, downtown Cincinnati.
2: And they're looking for new members.
0: And what's the location?
2: Uh, it is the Keating Muthing and camp Attorney's Office, uh, which is the fourteenth floor of uh oh gosh, it's Fourth Street and Vine, I think. Kitty Musing and Klee Camp mm-hmm. KMK.
0: And you you've gone to that meeting. Yep.
2: I was just there this past week. Good. How
0: many people were there?
2: They uh I think they've got uh, twenty three members right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe maybe seventeen were there last week. So it's a good group. Um there's another group if in uh Covington I really like. Uh, that's the gateway to business chapter, they meet Wednesday mornings. They meet at a unique, unique time. They they meet at 9 o'clock in the morning. Most B&Is meet earlier or lunchtime, so it's a real good opportunity for someone who needs that time slot to mm-hmm. uh, to get some good sales networking
0: done. Right, right. How many people do they have?
2: Um, I haven't been there for a while. I understand it's probably 15, 16.
0: Yeah, I, I tell my people uh, from a sales networking perspective, because we teach a great networking mm-hmm. course here. It comes up again in uh, January. We just finished teaching it for five weeks. That A networking group, to be effective business-to-business, business, needs 24 people in the group other than yourself, which I- is hard for a lot of networking groups to maintain on a consistent basis. It
2: is. It is.
0: Which is one of the advantages of Rotary. Yes. Even, even in a, a summer week like we had yesterday at Rotary, uh, with Laura Brenner from the Port Authority, we had something like 120 people there.
2: Right. It's a different thing, though, isn't it? You know, it, it with BNI, it's all about talking about yourself and finding clients for each other, and Rotary that's implied.
0: But well, Rotary was founded as a networking organization. It was right, uh, but it does have the service heavy service component today. Uh, the thing about networking at Rotary or any other function is I kind of look at the price of admission. Mm-hmm. If a networking meeting is $10 or less per meeting, uh, you're going to get people who think $10 is a fair price but if it's a uh, $100 dinner, a $100 a plate deal uh, you're going to get more CEOs there and you have to go to the appropriate networking forum, go mm-hmm. to a place that the people you're looking for are probably
2: at. Have you um, have you been to TBN meetings? I think I've seen you at maybe uh, one I, or two.
0: You may have seen me there at one or two. Yeah. I don't think I'm officially a member I don't anymore. Think I am.
2: I'm not.
0: Yeah. Although they may still have me on their their roster.
2: Their group of great group of people, and of course the chamber.
0: Yeah. Well, it, uh, it does it,
2: does a fair amount of networking.
0: Yeah. The chamber has a a decent quantity. They always have about sixty people mm. at the chamber. Uh, monthly meeting on the fourth Thursday from 8 to 10 a.m. that rotates around the city. Half of the meetings are in Claremont County and half are in Cincinnati Chamber areas. In fact, I believe January of this year, the uh, 2013, the Claremont County Cincinnati Chamber Networking meeting is going to be here at my training
2: center. Oh okay. great!
0: No official announcement yet, so the Sin Mackey of the chamber is listening. Don't don't get upset. This was just something we're talking
2: about. Well, you had a Rotary meeting here. Yes, we
0: did. We had a Rotary vocational service day here that that worked out. One of the things I one of the reasons I chose this location was because of the easy freeway access, a virtually unlimited free parking, and uh, it's a safe location for people to come. In the evening, in, during the winter when mm-hmm. it's dark, I can see that. Uh, I could never see uh, running a uh, a Sandler training meeting in an area where people were uh, worried about their personal safety or how to pay for parking. Those two things ran against my religion. Sure. <laughs> so sure. it was easy to uh, pick, a, pick a location out here in the burbs. Mm. Now, uh you, before we took the break you said you you thought that uh the economy was picking up here in Cincinnati
2: what are what are your other uh your other commentators saying are you into that same thought or not uh
0: recently you know we just started the show at the end of march and as i talked to people uh in april and then may and then june we seem to be hearing an almost consistent message that business is getting better mm-hmm. um, I think we have to put a positive uh, spin on what's happening. I think that uh, businesses are making decisions that if they don't make the decision to grow, they will be overgrown by their competition uh-huh I think for individuals it's a it's a more difficult decision mm-hmm. uh, We've seen some dramatic increases uh in business in the last. Two months, and it's trending up
2: mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is good for individuals. It's about jobs,
0: you know I think it's about income
3: mm-hmm.
2: right
0: there are there are always i don't know whether the number is fifteen hundred or two thousand I've lost track of we have lots of clients here in Cincinnati, and any good sales professional or sales management professional who wants a new job finds a new job kind of like that. we've had. A few people, you know, not not too many, but one hand, fingers full, uh, who decided they didn't want to live in Cincinnati anymore this year. Mm-hmm. Two of them recently, uh, July 1st, one went to San Diego, uh, and the other one went to Denver, Colorado.
3: What are they thinking?
0: Gee, one guy loves to ski. Let's see. Uh, you think okay. he, he's the guy who went to <laughs> Denver. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the the other guy who likes the weather.
2: Dry heat and all that.
0: Yeah. Went to San Diego. Uh, they both got new jobs, new gigs, almost instantaneously. Uh, it was amazing how fast I got Sandler reference calls from the Sandler trainers in Denver. Who is this guy, John? Did he buy a Lifetime President's Club mic?
2: <laughs>
0: and I just... Gave him the truth. He bought the Lifetime Club, with any place in America, and John was welcomed in Denver and found himself a, a load of new opportunities. Excellent. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the marketplace is going up. We're going to take a uh, a short break here, Giff, and uh, we're going to be back in a couple of minutes.
3: Hello, I'm Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk about Sandler Rule number 34, which says work smart and not hard. So, one of the things we need to do when we're involved in, in going after a, a prospect is to learn how to qualify and disqualify early on. Uh, it's been my experience, you know, having done this for many, many years, as we coach our clients, as, as we train them. That they seem to spend many of them an incredible amount of time chasing, following up business they're never going to get. And for goodness sakes, if you're going to follow, you know, finish second, why do you even want to bother being in there? We don't get paid on experience. And frequently, what happens is. Uh, we we have a prospect maybe who's on our top 10 list, let's say, and we want so badly to meet them, and we finally get an appointment with Mr. or Ms. Big, and, and uh, we're brought in there, and uh, next thing you know, we're doing a proposal to a totally unqualified situation. And uh, maybe it's a much larger piece of business than we normally would be working with and we wind up and Think It Overland. And next thing you know, we're following up, and we're, we're making phone calls, and, and we're sending emails, and nothing's happening. I'll tell you what is happening is we're not prospecting because we're spending too much time with prospects we're never going to do business with. In fact, I'd like you to write that question down and kind of track it over the next several days. How much time do I spend following up, chasing business I'm never going to get, and how do I suffer with that? One of the ways that you can work around that is instead of going after a a large chunk of dollars, start with a smaller piece. We call it a monkey's paw. Get some dollars, maybe for an assessment, maybe for a pilot program. You'll also keep your competition out of the picture. You'll at least feel like you're making some progress, and then you can make it work better. So again, Jerry Weinberg, Sandler rule number 34, Work smart, not hard.
0: This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Bill Uh Again, if you wanted to uh, call in and ask, uh, give a question, or me a question, 646 595 4916. Naturally, you can only call in during the live show between 4 and 5 on Friday. Don't call in on Saturday morning and expect us to answer. We won't be here. Uh, if in the marketplace, you see the marketplace going up, level, or down?
2: Um, as far as my business is concerned? Yes. Um, I see it going up, definitely. Uh, is I there guess... any
0: specialty area of working with QuickBooks that you like to work in?
2: I love working with non profits. Uh it's also really good for me in that uh, a lot of nonprofits don't have an accountant. They don't have a CPA. Uh because the smallest ones don't have to have a tax return done. Oh, the ones on the
0: five thousand dollars in income.
2: It's uh I think it believes the threshold's quite a bit higher than that these days. Oh really? Yep. There's there's a there's a nine ninety N that has to be filed, but all it is is just a uh, I don't have to file a tax return, tax return. Oh, okay. So so then um, lots of uh, nonprofits just get into a a bind because they haven't had really proper accounting uh, advice over a period of time. Uh, It's wonderful when a nonprofit has a CPA on their board. Um, And, you know, with all due respect to bankers and attorneys and other professionals, um, and maybe I'm self-serving here, but it's the CPA has a unique set of skills that can be very valuable on a nonprofit board. Uh, and so when that's not available or when that CPA, lots of times a CPA on a nonprofit board will bring me in, uh, just so, uh, uh they can get additional expertise related to nonprofit work.
0: Okay. Uh, I've saw I've seen the, the problems that new tax returns of course for the Rotary Foundation. They were they were immense with the new nine nineties. Oh yeah. What do you think, you know, and remind me before we before you leave later today to set up an introduction for you to uh our guest next Thursday, Spencer Cotton, who sells uh voice over IP telephony systems to non-profits at an extremely competitive rate. He's got a phenomenal deal for small nonprofits. I
2: heard your promo. That sounds very interesting.
0: His uh, operation is is really quite unique for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fits real well. When you uh, talk to new people about QuickBooks software, what's the single most common question that you get asked?
2: much do you charge? Um, yeah, well, I certainly get asked that question. One thing I don't get asked is how much is the software, which is great because Intuit, who sells the software, sells it at a pretty reasonable price and you can buy it. You can buy it from me, but I suggest that they not buy it from me because they can get it cheaper at, at Walmart, at Costco. It's It's amazing. I mean, this is a Extremely powerful software program that you can get for less than three hundred bucks.
0: It's a mass market product.
2: It is. It is. It the the product was designed to be run uh, by any number of groups. I've I've had daycare clients. I've had attorney clients. I've had uh, computer consultants. I've had training institutes all running QuickBooks, they're all running the same exact version of QuickBooks, and they manage to make it work for each of their different uh, industries, which is a very clever trick for QuickBooks. One of the things they do is they they don't do that many different flavors of the program, and so they're able to make it very inexpensive.
0: Uh, my favorite question, uh, GIF, is uh, we have a theory here that simple solutions to complex problems are almost universally wrong. And so if you want to solve a complex problem, you need a complex solution. Maybe you could tell our audience about a complex problem that you applied a complex solution to, and that might have universal applicability beyond where you use that logical solution.
2: Okay, Mike, that's a challenge. Um, uh, sometimes I th- tend to think that CPAs are the complex solution. You can get a lot of answers from a lot of different people, but the CPA will look it up and give you the right answer. Um, one specific area with nonprofits who take donations, 501c3 organizations, is trying to establish the difference between the different contributions they get. Some of the contributions are uh, what they call unrestricted. Some are temporarily restricted, and some are permanently restricted. Uh, I believe you mentioned the endowment, for instance, of the Rotary Club.
0: Yes, we have, uh, I think, four different funds in the Rotary Mm -hmm. with Differing restrictions.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're using all the right words there. Um, if, if a fund is restricted such that the money was given, but only the interest and dividends and perhaps the growth can be used from that fund in perpetuity, that's a restricted fund. It's permanently restricted. But a lot of people will give money uh, for a building fund of a church once that money is expended then the uh then the fund no longer exists and that's not an endowment and that makes sense um then there are other endowments which which is the funny word they call quasi endowments uh which uh the money was given maybe as a bequest but not for specific use and it's been then designated for a particular use by the board by the trustees and so these are important legal distinctions that the church or nonprofit have to make so that they're following the legal rules that they're not giving away money that was permanently restricted so that they know that they can get at money that was did never had a restriction but was designated by the uh, by, the board. So complex problem, complex solution. It's a question of education, making sure that that a board understands those contributions and what the rules are as far as spending.
0: Yeah, at the Rotary, we have a, a fund that's designated for children, young adults with great disabilities, right, to be spent. Primarily here in the Cincinnati market area. That's great. Yes, which presented a problem for our international service.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We had to set up a separate fund for our international project in Kenya to build a healthcare center at, I want to pronounce this right, Kasarian Farm, outside of Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And we had to raise funds separately and designate them for that particular project
2: well what a wonderful opportunity really to uh to raise more funds you get to you don't have to spend what you have you use that for this other purpose and now you've got a a great opportunity to help kids in nairobi and everybody gets on board and everybody gives money and it's all it's all good
0: that, that was a great project uh we we cooperated with other uh, Rotary clubs in the district uh-huh. to get the thing done. Uh, our club took the healthcare center, and another club took uh, classroom or dormitory facilities,
2: mm-hmm. water well. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so it was a, a really great cooperative project here in this district of uh, of the Rotary club. But it required our club and our foundation, actually our foundation, to set up a special Fund designated for international projects, mm-hmm. so we could spend the money I internationally. Right. Uh, that wasn't uh, done before. Uh, does the, let me just switch back. to okay. accounting. sure. Does the switch the QuickBooks accounting package uh, create a, a website for your clients, or is that something they have to do separately?
2: Then there are, uh, as far as a, a website to promote themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it does not. Uh, there. Intuit does, as you can imagine, you start with with selling accounting and software and then you've got a bunch of other needs that your clients have and you're working to solve those needs as well. And Intuit has done uh, a pretty good job of uh, giving uh, clients an easy way to cr- create uh, websites for themselves, but um, there are probably better ways to do it. Um, okay,
0: how do you do it? How do you, do you have a website for your yes. company?
2: Yes, have you seen it? I don't know it I don't know if I sent you to it.
0: I don't remember. It's, what is tell, tell the much. audience?
2: It's not much. It's I pr- I'll probably get a lot of calls for this too, but I probably need a new website. <laughs> um, so you know, Again, I'm just 695, a, I'm Just, I'm just a guy on 68. my own, you know, and uh, we're all looking for a budget website. What do they call them? They call them business cards web, websites or Resume websites where so it's like two pages where you say, "Here I here's who I am," then the other page says, "Here's what I do." So, no bells and whistles. And I created mine on Microsoft Publisher, and uh, it was not hard to do. And then you have to be able to to send that up to your um, your service provider,
0: your hosting company, sure. right?
2: Exactly. And so you have to do an FTP. Uh, to do that and uh, it's a little tricky but uh, once I worked it out figured out how to do it uh, I got it working good good
0: uh, our website was made a lot simpler uh, by Sandler by decree
2: uh-huh right uh, about
0: six months ago
2: So everybody's got to have the same
0: we have to work inside the same same template mm-hmm. Uh we're uh, toying with some new ideas of what we can do that might uh create a better buzz for, for uh-huh. my website. Uh-huh. Uh in your company right now, GIF, is there anyone besides yourself or is it a one main show?
2: Just me. Just me. I uh, I've had lots of employees over the years mm-hmm. and uh as uh, small business people will attest, it's uh it's it's a challenge, and it's a great challenge if you're the kind of person who works, th- th- that does that well, who manages employees well, and enjoys doing that. But I found the more employees I had, the less accounting I did. Mm-hmm. And I love doing accounting. And so I it's me doing it, and it's me enjoying it, and I'm not dealing with people who... Either have too much work to do or not enough work to do. Can't get it just right.
0: You know, I sat at lunch with a business owner yesterday who said to me, Mike, I can't find people who want to work. Uh-huh. I hired an ex-Marine, stayed with me four, week, four months, and after four months he decided he didn't want to work and didn't uh-huh. come into work the next day. Uh-huh. Funny situation. We're going to... Uh, Take a short break and listen to a couple of uh, Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits, and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house, Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.RothConsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down, salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me Mike Roth at five one three. Six four six six five two three, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth with the Playlock. In the uh, the next few minutes, uh, GIF, what I'm going to do is ask a really strange question, or maybe a common question. You're you're, you're working in the uh, the software end of the business, and it seems to me like almost every six months. Most software companies have come out with new versions of their product. Microsoft comes out with yes. weekly updates. Huh. I've got a lot of gray hair from weekly updates. I understand. Uh, what kind of product updating should a accounting client of, of a product like QuickBooks do? You know, Accounting doesn't change for much uh, in the last hundred years. Maybe the tax laws have, but... Uh, why would someone upgrade to QuickBooks 2012 from 2010 or 11 or go to QuickBooks 2013?
2: That's a great question. Um, I, I, I get that, that a lot. I get that all the time. I get that question. Um, I'll Very often I, when I come to a new client, uh, they're just starting out and they've bought the newest one. They bought 2012, which is great terrific program. I've had I have clients that are using QuickBooks 2003.
0: 2003. Well, 2003. that's uh, that goes back a a long way.
2: It does. It does. And Nine years. Mm. Well, uh just um just this past month, they've uh they've had to get a new computer that QuickBooks 2003 won't run on anymore. So they're now going to have to spend and upgrade to 2012. The reasons I I advise clients to generally not upgrade until they have to. If they're using payroll, if they're using QuickBooks payroll, they have a subscription that they renew every year for the payroll. But about every three years, Intuit tells them they're also going to have to upgrade their QuickBooks. That's not that bad a thing to do. Although the money can add up if you have more than one user. If you have three users, five users using QuickBooks, they all need to use it all at the same time. Then each, that involves five copies of QuickBooks.
0: So that five times 300?
2: Yeah, there's some discounting for, uh, for buying in batch. There's another program uh, that Intuit sells. It's called QuickBooks Enterprise Solutions, and it competes with the Microsoft big boys out there, the Great Plains software, um, and other programs that Microsoft seems to have bought all the programs except for Intuit. But anyway, it competes with them, and uh, that program with c- can cost anywhere between nine and twenty thousand dollars so when you've got to upgrade that program it's it's difficult but the companies that use that are are companies that are you know making 5 10 20 million dollars a year but they'll have
0: 10 20 30 50 people in the accounting
2: department yes exactly
0: it's it's not a three man show no
2: that's right that's right, right so they'll have 20 users using it so they'll do the upgrade and uh, but again They'll, uh, I'd say, maybe every three to five years. You certainly don't want to upgrade every year.
0: So the QuickBooks do uh, monthly security or program fix updates every year, or is that just done once a year in the new version? You
2: get a uh, into it, you'll go into your program daily, and then maybe every, periodically, average, probably once every couple of weeks, uh, you get a message that says, a new update has been uh, downloaded. Would you like to install that now? And you click it, and you go get a cup of coffee, and you come back, and hopefully the installation, the fix is in, and uh, you can keep going on with your work.
0: There's been a lot of movement over the past couple of years and more and more, uh, recently towards cloud-based computing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh does QuickBooks have a cloud-based version instead of a server-based version?
2: It does. It does. It's called QuickBooks Online, and it is somewhat different than traditional QuickBooks. It's it has some it doesn't do anything kind of special that Regular QuickBooks doesn't do that. Uh, but uh, it has some things that it doesn't do. And so you have to be kind of careful in choosing it. I think it's a terrific, terrific solution for the uh, client who has uh, different offices in different locations. Obviously, they just dial in. They can use the uh, the QuickBooks in the cloud. Um, it has a different definite disadvantage in price. We were just talking about how buying an upgrade of QuickBooks, the, the newer version going from, say, 2009 to 2012, is maybe a good thing, but you don't want to upgrade every year. Well, with QuickBooks Online, it's a subscription. So once a month, you end up paying 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks a month, and that can add up. You might be a it might be a better deal for you to uh, not get the online version. But
0: the online version is going to give you the current year version automatically as All part the of the subscription.
2: That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a trade-off there. depends on how budget conscious you are. There are ways for you to dial in to your computer. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know how to do that now. They work from home on their work computer so they could dial in and there are also ways to, uh, especially with enterprise solutions, for you to use uh, what they call terminal servers and remote desktop top computing and still have your data uh, on your server rather than in the cloud.
0: Is there uh, one question in the uh, four or five minutes that we have left, uh, GIF, that you'd like me to have asked that I didn't ask? Uh, Maybe some extra information that you think people should have about accounting software that they commonly don't understand.
2: Well, so nonprofits, I've got on my soapbox about how great CPAs are. So I did that. That's great. Um, And that CPA should be on every board. That's just me saying that. Uh, There are different flavors of CPAs. And just like there are different flavors of attorneys, I think that's obvious to most people, but a lot of people don't realize that there are are CPAs who know nothing or know very little about nonprofits, or there are CPAs who know very little about auditing. There are some CPAs who know very little about tax. And there are CPAs who are experts in each of these these situations. Also, in the CPA world, there are CPAs who will do your tax return, and then there are CPAs who work for your business. And you mentioned the uh, Certified Management Accounting certification that I have.
0: I meant to ask you about that because right. that that was an unusual one for a CMA. What is what is that? CMA
2: mean? Certified Management Accountant is a certification for accountants who aren't in uh, uh, who are in private industry, who are not in public accounting. Public accounting being your classic tax and audit uh firm this would be the uh, person who works for Sandler training doing uh very 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 high level bookkeeping uh perhaps it's it's the accountant who is in charge of, of maybe a twenty uh twenty department accounting.
0: Yeah. In the beginning of the show I mentioned that you are a CFP certified financial planner. Right. Uh usually I associate that with people who are actually helping people put money under management individuals.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that is uh, one thing that that you're um any any CPAs who are uh uh looking to get to take tests for new certifications which I tend to do, I guess, a lot, or I tended to do when I was a little younger, um, is that if you're a CPA, you can sit for the a CFP exam uh, without having taken quite a bit of the training that's necessary, because you've gotten a lot of your expertise already through your training as a CPA. Yes, there's a lot to learn, but you uh, you don't have to take a formal course i could be corrected on that that's the way it was when i got my cfp which was probably uh, 20 years ago
3: 20 years so,
2: ago yeah
0: are, are you active in that marketplace i am
2: not i am not i um, i did it one time i i brought one of my clients in and he said hey am i going to be able to retire in 20 years and so i ran t- are you familiar with the monte carlo sim- simulations no nope. what a terrible name really it sounds it like does. I'm gambling with my future. Yeah, but it does, it does. But that's a very classic uh, simulation to run for certified financial planners to determine just you know whether you'll be able to retire based on uh, different parameters, money that you can save, money that you have already. And uh, uh, I I did this one time, and I realized it is so iffy. There's the parameters are so tight. You, if if things change. Different ways, uh, it's quite a risk to tell somebody that they're going to retire successfully. So I got out of that business. Uh,
0: I can understand why that with would, would the uncertainties in the marketplace, exactly. making it exceptionally more difficult. Uh, I tell people, hey, if you want to be able to retire, go into sales, earn more money, go on 100% commission, and knock the socks off off the ball. I mean, knock, knock the skin off. And we've got several people doing that this year. Uh, In fact, we had a discussion earlier this week uh, in a a group with 100% commission salespeople about the problems they were going to incur as they broke into the alternate minimum tax and uh, some of the things they needed to do and consider Mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. Well, again, I I wanted to thank you for being a guest. I'm going to give you a copy of uh, Sandler's new book, the uh, bestseller, uh, on the Wall Street Journalist and Amazon.com. Great, thanks, Mike. Entitled, The 11 Sandler Principles. Uh, Scott, why don't you...
1: Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.